Blog Talk Radio. Full of vanilla flying over chocolate mountains. I stare at the Pacific while I'm smoking on a kilometer. The fans they hot on us, 100 on a thermometer. They raided my private plane. I went and got one that's more private. R.I.P. Juice Roll wrote that on two cups. Pour out a little juice from shit. Gave me goosebumps. Nigga been through too much. Looking in the rear view to see the future. And that just don't sit right. Living like I can't die from booing me. She said, you better lock me down for they lock you up. And that just don't sit right. Lifting like I can't die. Codeine to me. Just look through my girl context. I don't know what she's seeing me. I just try, try to hide. Sometimes it's hard to find time to be the good guy and still be someone. Enjoy my good times more than sometimes. But I just hope I don't get time because I ain't got Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Muscova Media Podcast. I want to thank everybody for following and listening and sharing and downloading and streaming any possible word you want to think of to, um, you know, help promote the show. Uh, I really appreciate everybody, and I want to make sure you guys go to the website, check it out. Um, you can check out the podcast and as well as other links, other ways to listen to it, either iTunes, um, Spotify. We'll be on iHeartRadio soon with the new um, show. Um, also, check out the stream on YouTube. Uh, that will be going out to YouTube uh, shortly after this show. Um, so our YouTube viewers can uh, also stream and enjoy. Um, 
website is MoscovaEnterprises.com, where we do marketing, where we help people with SEO, e-commerce, uh, just basically getting on top using different growth packing or uh, different marketing techniques that may not be well known. Uh, I help companies basically utilize all these different techniques to the best of their ability because there's so many ways to get and um, promote yourself, uh, you know, with radio, TV, uh, social media, uh, and, you know, having a good grasp of all of these things is something that we have done over time. Um, I want to thank all the great companies that have uh, supported us in the past, such as Ford, Sanders, Old Spice, New Jersey Lottery. Uh, really appreciate you guys uh, sponsoring the shows and um, helping support. We're definitely looking for new sponsors. So if anybody's looking to come on board, we welcome you. Um, so we again, I want to thank all the the loyal listeners for downloading, sharing on their social media to their coworkers from LinkedIn to Facebook to Twitter, uh, even Instagram and YouTube. You know, um, it's really a good thing. And uh, to be able to help and uh, work with different people and things, uh, companies around the world is something that um, I take uh, very, uh, is, is an honor to me, basically. Uh, so I really appreciate it. Uh, today, 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 we have a really great guest. Um, he's on the line, and I want to tell you a little bit about him. Uh, his name is Tehran Von Gazri who is a comedian and a TV personality, actor, host, writer, and social activist. This man does it all. Uh, he's a Washington, D.C. native, and he was born to a, an Iranian father, an African-American mother, with Zoroastrian, Muslim, Baptist, Jewish grandparents, making his comedy as international, culturally diverse as they come. I mean, this man uh, basically lived a little uh, New York, Manhattan, his whole life, because we all know how uh, New York and Manhattan is so uh, full of different cultures, but this man living in Washington, D.C. has been able to grow up and be a part of so many different types of cultures and religions. It's amazing. He's armed with the double undergrad degrees in politics and communications with a master's in economics and a law degree. Tehran, they basically tried to take all the jobs. See, this guy was, went to school and was like, I'm going to take all the jobs, all the degrees, but anyway, uh, he combines his education with real-life experience, a unique perspective, and universal charm to bring comedy, social commentary, and active, activism alive on stage. He's a mix of Dave Chappelle meets Maz Jobrani, as seen on Comedy Central, HBO. Tehran uh, can be seen hosting his own comedy show every Monday or Thursday, 9.45 p.m. at the world-famous Laugh Factory on his iTunes and Comedy Store podcast called Imperfect Gentleman every Wednesday or on Back to School with Maz Jobrani on All Things Comedy. Please find him, Tehran, on his IG, Facebook, and Twitter. It's I am Tehran, spelled I-A-M-T-E-H-R-A-N, and you will definitely get to see all of his amazing work and get to follow him. Um, Tehran, how you doing? Are you there on the line? Yo, what's going on, bro? How's everything? Doing very well. It's an honor to have you, my brother, man. Um, thank you for uh, coming on and doing all that great work. It's uh, really an honor to have you. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Uh, I appreciate that. Forget the work. It's pandemic. We're all out of work. So basically, right now, I'm homeless. I'm actually on here to plug my GoFundMe if anybody wants to help <laughs> out. Um, I also collect change at the, uh, at the local stoplight. You can probably see me. I have a sign that says, we'll work for follows, because that's what I really need in life, for some follows. Word, word, word up. Um, if anybody's out there, please support Tehran's GoFundMe as yeah. well. well. I don't have a GoFundMe. I don't have a GoFundMe, but I really, this is a secret desire of mine, like a secret dream, that I start a GoFundMe and a million people send me $1. So, like, all I need is one million people to send me one dollar, and I will be a millionaire. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah it would definitely be good. It's not that much. A uh, dollar is not that much to take out someone's pocket. It definitely will be uh, well appreciated. 
<laughs> yeah, it's like it's not it's when you ask for too much. You know what I'm saying? It's like a lot of pressure if you ask for too much. Like even when we are are faced with charity events, the reason why we feel awkward is because it's, it's a reminder of how po- poor we are. Like when you go to a charity <laughs> event and they ask for twenty dollars or fifty dollars or a hundred dollars, that just feels like so much. It feels so much, <laughs> but a dollar, you'd feel like a king if every time I gave a dollar. And it was just like chariots and roses. I'd I'd give a dollar. I'd be like, oh yeah, I'd be big balling. You ever, <laughs> you ever see a, a homeless individual and they ask for money and you're in front of your girl and they ask for money and you pull out that dollar and you give it to them like you're you're richy rich. Like here, here homeless guy, go get some food. Here's a five dollar bill. Get some food. Save your life. Come on. <laughs> right, right. I don't know if you've ever had that homeless guy that's been really bold and just straight up asked for a 20 or, or more. <laughs> um, actually, in L.A., we kind of have bold, I feel like more bold homeless people. So one time I'm coming out of the bank. I had, I've been having a pretty good year. Uh, pre, Pre-COVID, I was having a pretty good year. There was a wonderful homeless person that was always outside the bank, just there. And as I walked by, he asked me for change, and I usually gave him change. And this time, I gave him a 20. And I had a billboard on Sunset at the time. So he saw the (laughs) billboard. He's like, I've seen your billboard. He's like, can I have some change? And I was like, yeah. And I gave him a 20. And he looked at me. He's like, that's it? And I was like, oh, man, you're right. Let me see that 20. And I took it back. And I was like, now you've learned a lesson. Beggars can't be (laughs) choosers. And I kept walking. (laughs) So that was always, that was. But that's the thing. It's just, um, I always feel like we should help the people around us in general, whether it's people in our vicinity or people in our friend group. I'm always about helping and being a part of the team, supporting the team. So when I said I will work for follows, that's literally what I meant. Follows are the biggest support that you can give an artist without ever even spending a dollar. Like it costs nothing to follow. Spread the word, share the love. But so many people don't even do that. People you call your friends. Right, right. And um, they expect you when you, uh, you know, make it bigger or have more opportunities to kind of bring them on board or, you know, hook them up. But um, it seems like you've been able to balance balance that and find out uh, the real people that are, will, are, you know, deserve to be helped around you. Well, that's the thing. You have to build a team, especially when you're in Hollywood. That team is everything. Steel sharpens steel. And so if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. You got to be around people who are elevating you, inspiring you, motivating you to do more, want more, need more, be more. And that's the whole issue when it comes to anything. And it, of course, in Hollywood, it just seems so much more exaggerated in that sense because we see it all the time. You see the friendship group, whether it's in art on screen or in music, you see how Dipset as a collective, ASAP collective, how that is much bigger than the individual. G-Unit as a collective, Wu-Tang Clan as a collective. And the same thing applies to an artistic group. When you have or watch these Seth Rogen movies and they have their squad and Adam Sandler movies and he has his squad, you wonder, hey, why can't I have a squad? Right. And um, from it's, it's in a lot of, you just mentioned Adam Sandler, but it's in a lot of movies where they have all of their friends, whether it's just a, a small part or, you know, a speaking part, at least they got in there and got a check. And um, for another day that, you know, they could be on top and maybe bring them on board. Um, I definitely have noticed that um, when it comes to building a team in Hollywood, like how do you find like, you know, the people that are really ro- about building versus the people that are just trying to use you? That's the thing. You, you have to go off your instincts and your energy. And unfortunately we see a lot of times where people get this wrong. We see that. Yes man mentality we see the using you for your fame that fame that star it's almost like a fan groupie type mentality even in amongst your peers if when you're on i've seen it 
firsthand. I've experienced it firsthand. It's real. As a person, you have to be aware. You have to trust your instincts. Be real to yourself, but always have the people that you trust around you who it's great to hear yes, but it's even more powerful to hear no. You need friends around you, teammates, who can tell you no, who can straight tell you, hey, this album is trash, or hey, this skit is garbage, or hey, that set was not it. You need that in your life. One of my biggest pet peeves is coming off stage, and I, I expect the crowd, and I love when the crowd is like, oh, that was amazing. But when I go to my friends, and if they're like, oh, man, that was great. So you're the best. Like, that's not helping me. I need to know how I can be better. Help me. Help me. Help me help you. Help me. Right. Basically not needing another yes man or groupie in the, in on a team that isn't really, um, whether it's positive reinforcement or just telling you when you do bad, I guess that's something that you don't need on a team. Exactly. So I need, and we've seen this. So for example, let's look at what's going on with certain artists that we've seen just explode. We've seen artists explode in the media. It's because the team around them hasn't told them, Hey, we need to figure this out. Now you also see the flip side and we have, we know all the examples of that. We've seen the artists that just implode, explode and melt down. But then we see flip the residual flip side of that, which is a Drake who has one of the most immaculate teams who stay steady with their ear to the ground and, basically have him on the cutting edge of everything that goes on. That's a formidable, great, amazing team. If you have even someone who's as infamous as Chris Jenner, that's a formidable, formidable team. You've literally made four out of five of your kids hundreds of millions of dollars. Uh, sorry, Rob. Kardashian. <laughs> I, just, I don't know. I don't know what happened to you, buddy. Like you, like she literally has made the, people her kids have dated hundreds of millions of dollars i mean this is a great team for better or for worse now i'm not using them as the example or template of greatness what i'm saying is that they had a goal they had a path and they followed it for whatever they wanted that was their plan and they got exactly that so you need a team you need a goal you need a plan because any any desire without a plan is just a wish it's just a wish. Any goal without a plan is just a wish. I wish I was this. And the team helps you realize and achieve that dream. And remember, it's mutually beneficial. It's not like the team supports you and then you neglect the team. You're not standing on their shoulders. You're uplifting each other together. You're working together. You're making it happen together. And it's in the best interest of everybody. Who is Rob Schneider if Adam Sandler doesn't put him on? Does he become Rob Schneider, the household name, I, I don't see it, but, you know, 50-50, but, you know, what we do see is Rob Schneider, the superstar, thanks to Adam Sandler, a GOAT, you know, one of the greatest of all times. So, once again, it doesn't matter if you like their work or not, you see the results. Right, right. And and you see everybody coming up and um um, and able to maximize the talent that they have because, uh, you know, the team was able to um, help them push it up or whatnot. Um, when it comes to activism live on, uh, live on stage, uh, do you think that may um, shy some, uh, you know, new listeners or fans away? Or um, because, you know, activism these days sometimes is, is honored um, but then sometimes, you know, it keeps people away from things, whether, uh, you know, away from football or basketball. Um, how, how do you feel activism alive on stage um, improves, like, your lives and others? Activism isn't something that makes sense for every single comedian. They don't have the voice. However, oh, yeah. The ones of us that do, it's a responsibility which we've taken upon ourselves. It's a responsibility because it does at times alienate 
a section of possible fans. It's easy to be Mr. Bean because everyone just likes Mr. Bean. Now, that's one of the geniuses in comedy, whether we, once again, whether you like it or not, you recognize his genius. This is a guy who'd never said a word, and yet everyone knows who he is. I get it. But as as an active comedian in social activism, in bringing up your personal perspective, moral principle perspective, it's a responsibility, but it's also something that many of us just simply must do because it is who we are. It's authentic to the person we are. It's only inauthentic when it's performative. It's only inauthentic when it's not really who you are, but you do it on stage, you say it on stage because we like you want to be in that midst. Sometimes it's not part of your brand. Let's take two great comedians, Kevin Hart and Dave Chappelle. Kevin Hart would never be able to get away with saying the things that Dave Chappelle says, doing the things that Dave Chappelle does. Not only is Dave Chappelle an amazing and brilliant comedian, possibly the best comedian of all time, but their brands don't match up, which is why when Kevin Hart does certain things, people tend to turn on him. But when Dave Chappelle does the exact same things or similar things or says the same things, People tend to embrace him. It's, it's about that brand. It's the authenticity. Not saying that Kevin isn't authentic about his activism. He very much is. But he created a brand that wasn't based on that. Right. Us who have that voice on stage, the, the, the ones of us who have that voice on stage, it's real to us. This is who I am. Activism is who I am, regardless of comedy, regardless of, of social standing, regardless of socioeconomic level. This is who I would be no matter what which is why it's so you hear in the public, they're just like shut up and dribble to these millionaire basketball players, not realizing they're just being themselves. Would you, would you go back to doing nothing if your family was in harm's way because you weren't most likely not. And they say things like shut up and dribble because they think they're giving these people something they're giving, like they think they're giving LeBron James is fortunate for getting $100 million, $140 million to play. That's not the case. He's not fortunate. LeBron James makes a billion dollars for his, for his team. He gets $100 million. That's 10% commission. He's actually getting underpaid when you think of it like that. So wow. the concept is they're just looking out for others when they're doing these, this active activism. They're looking out for others because that is who they are. In comedy, we just have a single platform and a single space, so you see it more, and it coincides with the rhetoric that we are displaying on stage. Therefore, you hear it. It's more in your face. But the truth is, when the comedians who talk about it are talking about it, it's because I guarantee you they are living it. Right, right. Um. And there's been a, a lot of different comedians that have used their platform, you know, to, to speak on different things that I guess they're living or they see in, in, a, in a real world. Um, and it's, it's really uh, thought that comedians are the bridge between, um, you know, what's happening in society and then like the mainstream or whatnot. Um, do you feel that is so? I I completely agree with your assessment. I mean, that's just the truth of the matter. It's the, and, and here, and let me, I, and I want to express this. I want to express this because in comedy, I hear, I hear things all the time in regards to, for example, women aren't funny. Women aren't funny. Women, all they talk about is sex. Black comedians, all they talk about is race. Ugh, I'm tired of black comedians and Latinx comedians always talking about being Latinx. I'm tired of that. Oh, that's so, it's so much. Well, comedy is about exposing yourself. It's about vulnerability. It's about being your true self on stage. And when women comedians are talking about sex, it's because 80% of their life, they're dealing with someone trying to sleep with them. That's Hmm. what they're dealing with. They're literally dealing with sex the same way that 80% of a black comedian's life, he's dealing with race, and 80% of a Latinx comedian's life dealing with being Latinx. I mean, that's just part of our personal experience. We're, we are experiencing these things, and therefore we are talking about them. 
We are talking about them on stage because this is our life. It's the same thing, and I equate it to rap again, is because when people are like, I hate what rappers are saying, they are simply talking about their environment. If you do not like what they're saying, then change their environment. So at times, it's easier. It's easier for a white comedian to talk about unicorn fields and strawberries because he's not under the same constraints of a daily experience as female comedian, as a black comedian, a Latinx comedian, and of course, a black female comedian who goes through the most. That's just the reality of the situation. And we have to be aware of that and we have to understand the nature of comedy, where it comes from, and ultimately, if you don't like it, change the channel. If you don't like it, change the channel. You don't have to negate an entire experience of a group of people because it, you're tired of hearing it. You're tired of hearing about race? Well, guess what? We're tired of living it. Change the channel. Right, right. Um, you know, and these black uh, youth that listen to hip-hop every day um, that live it while listening to it, you know, they wish they could change the channels as well as, you know, other races. Uh, when we see things like what happened in the Capitol uh, a couple weeks ago, where people could just run up um, on the actual real life government um, and feel kind of comfortable doing it and not really, I guess, worried about the consequences, it just shows you the kind of power and um, like lacks that these people have in life that we just don't exactly experience per se. Um, especially when it comes to like sometimes just driving and uh, the fear when those those lights come behind us. Um, but growing up as a mixed, uh, culturally diverse uh, family, um, were you able to kind of like bypass some of these things, or were you still, um, you know, not want to say suffering, but having to go through, you know, everything that I guess the typical. Um, Uncaucasian um, male has to go through in the United States? You know, I, I, unfortunately, I didn't get to bypass anything simply because I am the low end of the totem pole of intersectionality. I'm black and Iranian, so I'm black and Middle Eastern. I am Muslim and Jewish. I, I'm basically every oppressed minority. If I decided to be trans, I would just be the most diverse human being on the planet. That's the only thing that's left, right? So I am... I am this low end of this totem of intersectionality, and I have had to go through everything, including bigotry and bias from people considered, quote unquote, my own people. So to some Iranians, I'm not Iranian enough. To some black people, I'm not black enough. To some Muslim people, I'm not Muslim enough. To Jewish people, I'm not Jewish enough. To And so on and so forth. It goes down that line. So. I've dealt with it from all from all angles, and that is actually what I build upon because it has given me a very unique perspective and a new a unique vision of the world and of my world. And that is something where we must that is something that must inspire comedy is your world, your perspective. When you're on stage, you always have to have an opinion. You always have to have some few. And if it sounds like someone else, then why won't I just watch someone else? If you sound like Cat Williams, I'll just watch Cat Williams. Why, why would I watch you? If you sound like Chris Rock, I'll just watch Chris Rock. If you sound like Tiffany Haddish, I'm just going to watch Tiffany Haddish. Why, why would I not? And so I've never had, I've never got the opportunity to bypass anything. In my next life, I hope I'm white. But, or at least if I was white in a past life, it might not be it, it might not keep going in the same way, in the same direction. That wave seems to be slowing down as we are catching up, as we are bypassing in every aspect of the game, whether it's music or entertainment or education, becoming a vice president. So we'll see how that goes. However, I've unfortunately had to not be a victim, but be a survivor of the same intersectionality which has created me and allowed me to be myself. Definitely, definitely. I hear that. Um, 
when it comes to, uh, you know, living that life, uh, a lot of these youth uh, seem to be having a hard time, but it's definitely good to see uh, good examples of people, you know, doing their thing and, and working their way out of uh, the system or whatnot. Um, was uh, getting all these degrees a uh, part of your plan to kind of like separate yourself and uplift yourself uh, within your own power? It's interesting. Actually, getting all these degrees that I have was part of my plan to to uh, put myself in immense debt. I was like, you know what I feel like doing? Let's start off 300 G's in the hole and see how this goes. Like, you know, I was just I was just like, one day I didn't have any debt, and I was like, this is for the birds. No, 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 no. You know what the real American dream is? <laughs> Bad credit. Like that's. I'm going to have to see if I can do that by trying to stay afloat, but not, and see how that goes. With the degrees, this is, this is the case, because people always ask, why do you have all these degrees if you don't use them? And unfortunately, we have confused education with occupation, as if education and occupation are the same and not mutually exclusive. You can be, you can be educated and not necessarily have to work in that field. It is okay. Also, personally, and in my family, we feel and I feel that is the responsibility of every minority in this country, in the United States, to be as educated as possible for their own benefit and for their own uplifting. But more importantly, collectively, if we all do this, it will, it will benefit all of us. And, and if you notice, one of the things that I talk about heavily is representation. Representation is so important, and we know this. We know that when President Obama became president, whether you like his politics or not, I do not care. His existence as a half-black, seemingly black, or black president evoked this new wave of black politicians that exist today because we saw somebody do it, and we're like, oh, wow, if they do it, we can do it. The same thing happened whether it was in basketball or in baseball, whenever you see that black first, why is it so important? It's because once you see the one, you now can see the many. We see this often. We see this often play out. We see people of different nationalities always prideful of people who are of their nationality, of their culture, of their heritage, of their background, doing something in this quote-unquote great space whether it's in baseball with Japanese pitchers or Dominican players or whatever have you, or if it's the WNBA or whatever field of greatness we see. Representation matters. Representation matters because we look upon the, them to do so. When we watched Different World on, in the 90s, that caused an influx of students to go to HBCUs, even though Tillman was not a real school. Hmm. However, HBCU saw an exponential increase in admittance, and we saw a huge rise of black and minority students going to college based on a television show. That's how, that's how influential representation is. In my personal life, as I was going to law, I didn't plan on becoming a comedian. I had other dreams and aspirations. I was, I was actually going to be Puff. That's who I thought I was going to be. I thought I was going to be Puff Daddy, and I was going to executive produce music, and I was going to be all up in the video, all up in the radio. That was my dream. Right. And that dream collapsed when I had a group, and they fall, fell apart, and I had a rapper that I was managing, and that fell apart. And I was like, I need to do something on my own. And as I'm thinking this and trying to figure out what my next move in is in life, I am watching television, Fuse Network, which anybody who knows Fuse, because no one knows Fuse, Fuse is Canadian MTV. I'm not even in Canada, but I have this channel for some reason. I turn it on, and I see this guy named Mikey Winfield. Mike E. Winfield, very funny comedian, black guy, brown skin. Great fro, amazing smile, wonderful person, just recently won NBC Diversity. Myself in law school at the age of 22, I'm, I'm not a kid. I'm a grown-up at this point. At this point, I have been through it all. I have 
lost my virginity. I've been to war. Like, 22, I watched this guy on TV being funny and introducing videos, and I literally think to myself, if this guy can do this, I can do this too. And that's what prompted my comedy career. Now, I wasn't five, I wasn't 10, I wasn't 15, I wasn't 20. I was 22. At this point, I'm a grown man. At this point, I'm going to prison prison if I commit a crime. At this point, I'm eligible for many, many death penalties and have been for many years. I'm not a little kid. And yet, this person who looked like me doing something I thought I could do inspired me to actually do it. And that's why it's so important when people like you start these shows and yes, you're doing a blog and it's your own thing and it's just, you know, who's going to hear it? There's, there is a kid inside all of us that will hear this and be inspired to do what you do because you have done it. And that is so vital and necessary. Right. As far as representation and being a good example, I've definitely had to um, be that person my whole life, kind of because of growing up around, uh, you know, in a um, suburbs and um, around uh, other like Caucasian people or whatnot. Um, So I I definitely understand that uh, as well as coming from a culture, a Haitian background where education, um, you know, is key, uh, you know, uh, because as my parents and family growing up on an island, uh, you know, they definitely realize how the more you know and um, the more resources you can create around you, uh, the better it could be for uh, yourself and your family and your ancestors and those around you, uh, which is why so many Haitians go abroad and, you know, look to and then give back to the, the island or whatnot. Uh, so I definitely uh, can understand that. Um when it comes to uh, making that leap and taking that action, um, what do you think separates someone like you versus someone else that's like afraid um, to take action? Because it's not exactly like you had all these resources and connections. It's like you have to kind of create it for yourself in a way as well. What separates me is that I'm amazing and they're losers. No. What, what it really comes down to is being active instead of reactive, being proactive, being prepared to get out of your comfort zone and do things, many things that you may not necessarily like because the means, the ends justify the means. And when I say do not like, I don't mean outside of your boundaries, but outside of your comfort zone, getting up off the couch, getting up and actually doing things. Many times we, we tend not to, we tend not to do that. We tend to be extremely complacent and simply sit around waiting. So many people who are very talented will walk around the streets thinking someone in a limo is going to roll up and just be like, Hey, you, here's a hundred million dollars. You're the man. You're the whoa man and drive away. That's never going to happen. None of us have to be here. We get to be here. We get to be here. And that pertains to every aspect of life, but especially when you have chosen a profession, when you have, and especially in the Hollywood profession, because I guarantee you Hollywood did not call any of us and tell us that they need us, no matter who we are. It could be Leonardo DiCaprio. They will, if Leonardo DiCaprio never existed, there would have been another Leonardo DiCaprio to take his place, and you would have never known the difference. It just happened that the gods and the stars and the moon and the sun shined on Leo, but that is the case. Halle Berry is the baddest in the world. If Halle Berry never made her way to Hollywood, there would have been another Halle Berry and you would have never known the difference. There are a hundred Halle Berrys who are just hostesses at IHOP in Hollywood. That's how that works. So you have to separate yourself by taking initiative, by taking hard work. A lot of things we always look at talent as if talent is the only thing that separates us and makes us succeed. We love saying that because when you say talent, guess what? You've eliminated the responsibility from yourself. You're like, oh, that person's talent. But there are so many other elements to success other than talent that require zero talent. Anyone could do it. 
Anyone can be on time. Anyone can have good work ethic. Anyone can put in effort, 110% effort, have 1,000% energy. Anyone can have positive body language. Anyone can have passion, a true passion. Anyone can do extra, do that extra, go that extra mile, stay that extra hour. Anyone can do that. Anyone can be prepared. Simply be ready. When it's your turn, you're not the one that messes up. When it's your turn, you know your mark. When it's your turn, you know where to go. Be prepared. Be coachable. Anyone can be coachable when they tell you what to do and someone gives you suggestions. You're not a super diva. And if you have a point, you make it. And if not, you do as you are being coached, especially by those who are better than. Learn how to coach. Learn how to have a positive attitude. Always have a good attitude. Make people like working with you, and they will work with you. They will work with you. So when you put all these things together, those are all things that do not take any talent. And that's the thing. We have to be aware of that. And that takes initiative. That takes you saying, I will do. That takes you stepping up on your own without anyone holding you up, no one pushing you up, just taking that first step. And oftentimes when you put that energy out, the universe will give it back to you in tenfold. But it's up to you to put that energy out in the first place. And most people just don't. They don't want to get up off the couch. They're comfortable. They're comfortable. The couch is comfortable. I don't want to get out of bed in the morning. You ever get up and the bed just feels so good and it just feels so cold on the outside but so good and warm on the inside when you're in your blanket and you're wrapped up? Getting up and getting out of bed every day is one of the hardest things people need to do. Waking up that five minutes extra early is the hardest thing people need to do. So the people who do it tend to succeed. That's why we get phrases like the early bird gets the worm. Nobody wants worms. Nobody wants worms. Don't want worms. But in order to get even that, you have to be the early bird. You have to show up late. You have to sleep. You have to show up early and sleep late, right? So that's, right. that's, that's the way it works. It's, it's, all about, it's all about your own personal ambition, motivation. Look, we have people, let's look at the NBA. You have a guy like LeBron James. LeBron James is talent. LeBron James is a magical person. LeBron James, it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter who you are. I've seen you. You could have practiced every day of your life, basketball, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, 366 on leap year, and you would have never been a LeBron James, ever in your life. LeBron James, LeBron James's penis can dunk. Do you understand? Like he is, he is a specimen. Right. We could not have been LeBron James, but every one of us could have been Steph Curry. Steph Curry is just a six foot light skinned black guy who practiced more than anybody else on the planet. That's literally who Steph Curry is. There's this amazing commercial with Steph Curry reading his NBA draft report. And they're talking about how slow he is, how he's a barely above average shooter, how he doesn't have great handles, how he could never lead a team, how he could be a bench player at most. And he's saying, and he's reading the report as he's dribbling, he's dribbling and shooting shots and then holding up the championship cups that he has three of that. That's, any of us could have been Steph Curry. That, that's the thing. And people will try to make excuses even then. They'll be like, oh, but his dad's in the NBA. It's like, yeah, when you turn on the NBA, are you looking for Michael Jordan's kids? Is that who, you're, who the measure of greatness is? Are you just like, oh, man. No, you're not. You're not. It, it doesn't matter. At that point, it doesn't matter. At that point, it's hard work. Hard work beats talent when talent refuses to work hard every single time. Right, right. You know, there's um, there's a lot of kids. Michael Jordan's kids didn't even hardly play college basketball. So that it's not even just about the DNA um, as well. It's, you know, that work ethic and really pushing oneself. Um, but people like LeBron, it's almost like he was born to be who he was. And luckily, he actualized it as a child and um, made sure that as a man, he, he could be who he was supposed to be. And um, that's something we can all do because even Steph Curry, you know, as weak as his ankles were when he first came into the league, even to his play today without uh, Clay Thompson, 
he's showing that, you know, he can lead a team and he is that man. And, you know, he's, he's unlike anybody else. Therefore, you know, to respect him and then he's going to show, show forth, you know, and showcase that on the, on a court, which he, you know, is doing unlike, you know, anybody yet. Um, us every day, you know, it's not like we're, we can, like you say, become that LeBron James, but if we do take the work, uh, the hard work and, you know, not think that every day is going to be easy and we do get out of our comfort zones, then um, great things can happen. But um, why is it that, why do you think that it seems like most people wait till something bad happens or, you know, they need God to be up in their face or whatever they believe in before they make a change. Um, why is it that I, I, uh, you, you and I may be able to get past that, but others need that hard lesson or push, I guess, to, to, to move forward? You know, it's not that you and I, I, I don't, it's not like I'm above it all. I, I personally, I succumb to things all the time. What it really takes is whenever whenever tragedy occurs, that's when people want to act, right? So whenever no one wants to go to the doctor for checkups, but then when they have stage four cancer, all of a sudden they're like, how did this happen? It's, well, you didn't go for these annual checkups. You didn't go and, and maintain it. That's that's what it is. So So we need to maintain. You need to inspire yourself every day regardless of what's going on. Don't wait for the bad to happen for the good to happen. Proactive in that sense. Make sure that you're in front of all these situations. Now, that doesn't mean that success doesn't breed from tragedy. Oftentimes it does. Oftentimes you need to get shot nine times and twice to the face and be the one that lives to drop one of the highest selling albums of all time. That's just how that played out. That's just how that's supposed to play out. That's the universe giving you the harshest wake-up call of all time. However, for myself personally, I wouldn't want to get shot nine times, twice to the face. My face isn't pretty enough to sustain getting shot twice. Like, maybe once. Maybe I'm cute enough to get shot once, but twice to the face? Like, no. No, I'd be done. I'd, I'd, like, I'd look like Little Wayne. I'd look like Little Wayne, Rick Ross's baby. Like, I just didn't want that to happen to me, right? <laughs> But let's not use negative negativity as an inspiration. It's nice when we change it into that, but let's not have to use that. We can use positivity or self-motivation as our inspiration to do things and achieve things. And while that's a rare skill, it's a skill that just takes practice like any other. So when we practice it, it will do well. We will make it happen. Yeah, perfect, beautiful, beautiful. Um, well, I, I definitely appreciate you coming on the show and dropping so many gems and um, the laughter to the to the uh, the platform. Um, Block Talk is definitely going to appreciate that as well as you know the other platforms. Um, for the people that uh, want to you know keep following you, I, I did mention your IG, but uh, is there anything you want to leave people with and or um, how to contact you and follow you? It's all across the board. I am Tehran. I-A-M-T-E-H-R-A-N. My name is Tehran, like the capital of Iran. So if you don't know how to spell it, just watch Fox News. It's on it like <laughs> 50 times a day. So I-A-M-T-E-H-R-A-N. Follow me all across the board. Spread the word. Spread the love. Just don't spread corona. Word up. And I appreciate you for coming on the show again. And uh Looking forward to seeing you on uh, the world famous Laugh Factory, as well as your your podcast, Imperfect Gentlemen, as well as uh, Back to School with Maz Jabrani. Yeah, um, and actually, mm-hmm. um, I did want to say something. Thank you for having me on the show. I appreciate what you do because what you do is you're a connector, you're creating, and you're inspiring people. My only my only thought because I, I, I listen to your I listen to your podcast. Uh, my only thing to even only only word to help is tell people it's not a video. I got dressed up. I'm ready. Yo, I don't have to shower for this. I put on pants, bro. I haven't put on pants in seven months. Like, what are we? Okay. 
Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate you. My pleasure, my man. My pleasure. Thank you so much. Have a great rest of your day.